0: Welcome to Black and White, a conversation with Dan Perkins. It's time to bring all of us together to talk about the issues that concern us. It's time to hear from people who want to deal with only the facts. And it's time for you, as Americans, to re-engage in your right of freedom of speech. It's time for you to join me in the conversation on blacks and whites. Inflation for most people is causing them to use their credit cards to try and make up for income shortfalls. How big is this problem? In the second quarter of 2022, Americans added $46 billion to their credit card balances. Some of that could be you. The Federal Reserve Consumer Credit Report showed that the rate of interest on credit cards went from 14.56 to 16.65%. Those Americans struggling with credit card debt saw their delinquency rates escalate from 1.66% to 1.81%. The Cambridge Debt Consolidation program may be able to help you reduce the interest rates by two-thirds and cut your time to pay off the debt from 30 years to as little as five years. If you're struggling and you want professional and objective help getting your credit house in order, then call 1-855-435-2066 or go to the website cambridgeyescredit.org forward slash bw podcast and get your house in order. to Blacks and Whites and we have an incredibly special guest today. David Beatty, who is um, an author and um, a conservative, and he's written some stuff on the new Speaker of the House and what's going on and perhaps some insight about what's likely to happen. David, thank you so much for joining us. I, again, apologize for the technical difficulties, but we, we got hooked up. So um, what do you think about the new Speaker so far?
1: Well, you know, I think it's premature to say we do have a historical record of performance that I would grade at maybe a C to a C minus. Um, you know, there are some reasons to be more optimistic about this next iteration, this next version, largely thanks to the efforts of, I think, a really brave and heroic congressman called Matt Gates. Um, and some others, uh, Lauren Boebert, so they kind of held his feet to the fire. And so perhaps we'll have a new and improved version of Kevin McCarthy. But of course, one must wait and, and see. And for somebody like McCarthy, you know, it's kind of interesting. He's not the worst case you can have. The worst case you can have is somebody who has actually belie- actual beliefs. But they're directly opposed to yours and i would say someone like paul ryan actually fits that bill paul ryan has real beliefs he has the real ideology it just happens to be extremely destructive and frankly kind of dumb whereas kevin mccarthy he's a man with no convictions and so you would prefer people someone with convictions and courage that's on your side but much better than someone who has convictions against you is somebody who is a total free agent like Kevin McCarthy who has zero convictions other than promoting his own um, career politically, which means he'll go whichever direction, whoever bullies him the hardest, that's the direction he'll go. And so we just have to be good at continually bullying him or to put it more diplomatic, we have to make sure that... Um, he has some accountability with respect to his actions as a speaker.
0: Were you surprised at his his um, comments over the weekend about Stowell and uh, the other congressman not being on the committee, and and the the idea that the speaker has the right to, as we saw with Nancy Pelosi, decide who's going to be on committees and the mm-hmm. steering committee, uh, which is fairly powerful. Um, it looks like he stood up to the Democrats. Now, whether that continues, I don't know. But but that was the first challenge that he came up a serious challenge he came up with. Now he's looking at the budget crisis and the and the deficit and all those things. Um, I may be Pollyannish, uh, Darren, but I, I I I'm hopeful that we finally have. A leader in the House who will stand up to the Democrats and cause them to back down. If he if he holds firm on on Starwell and the other appointments, not getting on a committee, uh, that's that shows some backbone to me. If he doesn't, if he capitulates to the to the Democrats, giving them what they want, then it's it's the same old same old.
1: Sure, I mean that would certainly be one metric. Um, You know, I'll wait and see how he conducts these sort of new committees that are formed for the purpose of investigating broad-scale criminality and malfeasance on the part of the intelligence apparatus and the National Security State Committee against the, you know, weaponization of the federal government that Jim Jordan's on and Thomas Massey. I mean, there are a lot of things we have to Wait and see whether or not Kevin McCarthy will play ball in terms of pushing for the thirteen hour thousand hours of footage that remain to tell the full story of what really happened on January six, or on my kind of pet issue, whether um, he'll show some minimal degree of backbone and demand that the FBI um, uh, give the full chain of custody and the full raw unedited footage of the DNC surveillance footage that allegedly shows the January 6th pipe bomber. It's an issue that my news organization, revolver.news, has covered extensively as one of the two smoking guns of what the media calls insurrection. I call the fedsurrection. January 6th is the fedsurrection. One smoking gun is the case of Ray Epps. You know, that whole story brought to the American public by revolver.news Ray Epps complains about it in his testimony to the committee. And the secondly, and maybe even a more scandalous issue, is the pipe bomb issue, which Revolver.News has proven definitively that the FBI is both censoring and has deliberately tampered with um, the surveillance footage from the DNC, such as to make it nearly impossible to identify this alleged pipe bomber. Why? Why would they do that? And perhaps even more curiously, why haven't the Democrats exhibited any interest in uncovering the identity of this alleged MAGA Trump-supporting terrorist insurrectionist who planted explosive device outside of their own national headquarters? Why wouldn't they want to catch the guy? So there are a lot of troubling questions, and there are certain politically feasible, high-leverage um high leverage requests you can make and one of them is the surveillance footage so i'm hoping mccarthy will do that but um again i i approach such things to borrow a phrase from george w bush's speechwriter i approach such things with the soft bigotry of low expectations
0: (laughs) i uh, i had an opportunity to do an interview yes last week on friday with a fairly prominent constitutional attorney. Mm -hmm. And I asked him this question. I said, as a matter of reference, for those who don't know, but as as many impeachment trials there have been with Donald Trump, we should understand by now that the constitution says that the judiciary committee draws up a bill of impeachment, passes it out of the committee, goes to the full floor with a certain major supermajority Passes it goes to the Senate with a the supermajority. There's a trial. The Senate becomes the jury. the 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 trial judge is the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, and the prosecutors are the managers in the House. And this was the question I asked him. And if I'd left the original response in the tape, people would have been shocked. The original response was nothing, nothing happened. No answer. Mm -hmm. I stumped him and he had to think about it. The process is, it's, it's a bill, it's a bill of impeachment. The bill is passed by the House. And it goes to the Senate, where there is to be a trial. But what if Chuck Schumer never brings up the bill of impeachment to the floor? Is the impeachment stalled, and what are the options if the if the the majority leader of the Senate refuses to bring the impeachment to the floor, as the Constitution says it should, there will be no trial, and uh, there will be no con- conviction. Not only there would there be no trial or, c- or conviction for uh, Joe Biden. But the first possible impeachment trial is going to be the Secretary of Homeland Security and uh, on his his work or lack of work and commitment to the border. So, is it possible that the strategy of the Democrats was to realize we know we're going to lose the House. We don't know how by how much we're going to lose it. We have to do everything we can to maintain the Senate because the Senate could say, no to an impeachment trial to Joe Biden?
1: Well, I mean, I think obviously both sides try to win as much as they possibly
0: can. Right. Um,
1: I don't know. I frankly doubt whether behind the scenes the possibility of an impeachment for Joe Biden was really taken seriously by too many people. I don't know if that was front and center of their consideration. You know, they want they want both the House and Senate for the same reason anyone would want it. Mean, it's more it's more control for them. Um, uh, I think they kind of, you know, to the extent that they have semi-sophisticated people on the polling side, they probably anticipated that there would be, um, you know, the House would flip. Um, you know, maybe they thought, okay, 50-50 on the Senate. You know, we didn't do as well in the Senate as maybe some people predicted. But um, I don't know if they were thinking of things primarily in terms of um, thwarting some kind of impeachment effort, which I haven't really seen any strong impeachment effort, even rhetorically from from the right. So I don't know why the Democrats would kind of make that a prominent part of their strategy. But again, I don't have any special visibility into that other than what you know, the same stuff everyone else has seen.
0: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with, uh, with Darren. And so we'll be right back after these messages. Inflation for most people is causing them to use their credit cards to try and make up for income shortfalls. How big is this problem? In the second quarter of 2022, Americans added $46 billion to their credit card balances. Some of that could be you. The Federal Reserve Consumer Credit Report showed that the rate of interest on credit cards went from 14.56 to 16.65%. Those Americans struggling with credit card debt saw their delinquency rates escalate from 1.66% to 1.81%. The Cambridge debt, Consolidation program may be able to help you reduce the interest rates by two thirds and cut your time to pay off the debt from 30 years to as little as five years. If you're struggling and you want professional and objective help getting your credit house in order, then call 1 855 435 2066 or go to the website CambridgeYesCredit.org forward slash BW hyphen podcast and get your house in order. And we're back. Welcome back. And we're talking. To Darren Beatty, Beatty, right? yes. yeah, Darren Beatty, and he's telling us his insight of what's he's seeing going on in Washington D.C. And we're specifically focusing on the new Speaker of the House. Um, the other thing that's coming up soon is uh, raising the debt ceiling, and um, and in our last segment, I really want to talk about raising the debt ceiling and how you feel about. Um, the speaker wanting to have evening hearings of the of the two investigating committees uh, so that more Americans can see what's going on? What, what are your thoughts on those two issues?
1: Well, I definitely think there should be evening hearings. I think still, you know, the greatest degree of leverage that we have, and we frankly don't have a tremendous amount of leverage, but the minimal amount that we have is directly related to Public pressure, which is in turn related to public awareness. And so just you know, there's a reason that the Democrats wanted their sham January 6th committee to get, you know, primetime coverage, is it was a publicity exercise designed to generate public pressure against Trump and you know, to maybe implicitly threat some kind of criminal prosecution, which I kind of doubt will come but we'll we'll have to wait and see it's still possible. And so of course, you know, if we can get the more publicity the better for these hearings because the publicity itself is pretty much the lion's share of the leverage. Yeah, there's a little bit of subpoena power but practically we're not going to get a lot of cooperation, you know, the historical antecedent um for such a kind of investigative bodies investigative committees would have been something like the church committee which was a senate committee in the 70s that had a wide ranging kind of um portfolio to investigate and expose abuses on behalf of the national security state a lot of programs in the cia that you know become the stuff of conspiracy lore came out you know in, in that process like mk ultra pro and so forth, but the church committee was a bipartisan committee. You know, uh, Barry Goldwater was on the committee. They had direct cooperation with then President Ford. They had cooperation and constant access to the relevant point people at the agencies that they were investigating. Of course, they didn't have full cooperation, but they had cooperation, whereas in this case, none of that is there. And they even had to some degree, a lot of media support because, you know, the media thought of this as a kind of part of the Watergate reckoning. And the media, of course, was very anti-Nixon. So, and in this case, there's no equivalent because the media hates Trump and, you know, generally Republicans. But the abuses on the part of the national security state are not really about Republicans generally. They're about silencing, suppressing, and ultimately fully neutralizing the energies associated with Donald Trump's presidency. And, you know, of course, you know, the media um, would fully support that. So you know, there's a limited amount of leverage, and the most we can get probably is increased public pressure. And so the more publicity on this, the better. So I would fully support it, and if if he can actually pull that off to get something like prime time coverage, or some kind of regular coverage, and you know who knows if Fox will cover it or how, um, but I think that would be really great and worth worth pursuing.
0: You, based on what you read and hear and from your sources, do you think that? Donald Trump will be the Republican candidate for 2024?
1: I do. Yeah. I mean, I think he is undoubtedly the presumptive nominee for 2024. Paul Ryan, whom I mentioned earlier, came out and like said, no, he shouldn't be. You know, He's a proven loser. But again, you have the same nothing people coming out and saying the same stuff that they did in 2015 that didn't work, really work out for them that well. So I think Trump wants it. He's got it. He's the presumptive nominee. Um, you know, So that's basically it. And, and the recent polls certainly reflect that. In fact, I don't know. I wonder who's actually going to formally step in and announce. I kind of doubt DeSantis will do that. It looks like Nikki Haley will do it. But who likes Nikki Haley? I mean, she's a total nothing. Nobody likes that woman, especially because she's so so closely associated with the neoconservative factions that have gotten us into all these dumb and disastrous wars that partially Trump won by exposing the stupidity of this kind of foreign policy. So, I mean, and Nikki Haley's approval rating is like 3% or something embarrassing like that. So I don't know who conned Nikki Haley into thinking that she could do it. Maybe she realizes it's a con and is just doing this to enhance her public profile, but it doesn't doesn't really seem like it's going to work. Similarly, Mike Pompeo is sort of gesturing in that direction. He's even worse off than Nikki Haley, because at least Haley has this narrative of oh, she's a woman, she's a person of color. And, you know, some people are dumb enough to fall for that. But but Pompeo was just as much a kind of slave to the national security state and the war machine as Nikki Haley, but he doesn't even have the attractiveness of, of being a, a female woman of color that the media can harp on about. So I think his position is even more bleak. But again, people like that don't run because they think they're actually going to win they run well maybe they do maybe they are that egotistical maybe some clever consultants convince them to run so the consultants can make off with a good paycheck um but they do it to like promote a book just generally to enhance their stature and this and that um but ironically like the more people in the field the better it is for trump anyway so yeah, I think barring any kind of thing, you know, age-related, unexpected, sort of health type issue, um, Trump will absolutely be the nominee in twenty twenty four.
0: How would the Trump presidency starting in twenty twenty five be different than two thousand and seventeen?
1: Well, I mean that's a that's a big question. You know, some ways it'll be easier, some ways it'll be a lot harder. You know. 2017 had the advantage of being something fresh and new, and people didn't quite know what was going on. And and now, again, the entire system knows we just have to completely go after him. And so you'd have the same, I think, full-scale systemic opposition that we see even more stridently during the campaign than we did in the 2015-2016 campaign. Because back then, the media realize how entertaining and how interesting this all was and they gave him a bunch of free media. Now it's like total blackout. Now the whole system knows like at all costs, we cannot let Trump become president again. So if he pulls it off again, that would be um, pretty amazing. I would like to think that on the personnel side, uh, maybe we'll see a little bit more judiciousness and I think there's indications that the case, uh, you know, to the tail end of the of the first Trump term, uh, they had somebody really good in personnel who started making great personnel choices. Of course, it was a little bit too late at that point. But to start a second term and getting personnel right and actually rewarding the people who are loyal to Trump and punishing the people who are not loyal to him or to his agenda um, that could work wonders. So, you know, there are pluses and minuses there in terms of how easy things would be to implement an agenda. Um, uh, but I would like to think on the personnel side, things would be a lot better.
0: Yeah. I I saw recently where, uh, his daughter and son-in-law, uh, uh, Jared Kushner and Ivanka say that they're not going to be involved in any new administration. Hmm. And I wonder if they just got beat down so badly by the press that they don't want to go through that again.
1: Probably. I mean, you know, people don't fully appreciate, you know, and they're doing well. They're not necessarily people to, you know, they're not pity cases by any stretch. But, you know, to be, you know, a family member, you get attacked. Anybody associated with Trump gets attacked. You know, I was attacked very brutally. Everybody pays that price at least most everybody. And that's just just the price that goes along with actually kind of being associated with something that challenges the system.
0: So, you know, in our last couple of questions, I wanna ask you about what, what do you think is the biggest test coming for Kevin?
1: Well, I think how he handles these new committees, how he handles the new committees investigating government abuses intelligence community abuses, both related to January 6 and related to big tech, because, you know, he's a California guy. He's very cozy with the tech people. So we'll have to see um, if he's willing to ruffle some feathers there.
0: And any anything from a legislative standpoint that's, that will be a a benchmark?
1: Mm, not really. I mean, again, I, I have very, very um, managed expectations in that regard.
0: So are you saying that you're not hopeful or you're you're slightly hopeful? I mean, we don't have the Senate. So it's,
1: it's, well, I'm hopeful with respect to some of these select committees in terms of their investigative power, in terms of um, shrewdly exercising the subpoena power, but in terms of like passing legislation, I mean, it's premature to even talk about that uh, because of the situation in the Senate.
0: You know, the the last thing I want to ask you is, uh, I've written a number of commentaries about the Democrats getting at us in a um, a proxy war in Ukraine. We, we along with the European Union, have created the third largest military in the world, in Ukraine, in terms of military spending. And we hear today that, that the United States and Germany are discussing whether or not they should send tanks. Poland wants to send some of their tanks, and they want more tanks coming from both the United States and Germany. Um, we're escalating a war. But we're not we're not putting human bodies at risk, at least not at the moment, but we're certainly putting our resources at risk.
1: Absolutely. And it seems like what we're doing, we're only we're only prolonging it. We're only prolonging the suffering on all sides. We're, um, so I question the wisdom of that. And certainly, you know, you know Americans are struggling, and it would be nice if our elected representatives cared about the American people at least a tenth as much as they care about, you know, these foreign at least a tenth. Again, you know, I'm the managed expectations guy. I'm not saying care about these foreign adventures as much as you care about the American people, but at least care about the American people one tenth as much. Like that would be an amazing improvement from what we have now. And, you know, the thing is, it's not even going to build up their military. Where it is, it's going into the pockets of our defense contractors, our defense industries. You can think of it effectively as substitute as uh, payoffs for very corrupt oligarch types in that region, but more largely payoffs for the very corrupt people who run our defense contracting companies mm-hmm. and the people making these like Javelin missiles and the whole range of stuff. I mean, just goes for their next, you know, multimillion dollar condo. Right. You know, right. the next, the next defense bill, the next spending spree. It just goes to the defense people. And then, you know, they build their condo and they put, you know, a certain percentage of it into their lobbying budget. And then the lobbying budget gets another, you know, uh defense agreement and repeat, repeat, repeat. It has nothing to do with the security of people in, um, in Eastern Europe, much less security of the American people. You know, um, They wanted to do something about for the security of the American people. They should go to our cities and you know, take care of the problem of criminal trash, you know, we've got a lot of criminal trash in our cities. Um, Why not cleanse them out of here, you know, cleanse them out of here. Um, That would put America in a much better position than any kind of ridiculous nonsense um, overseas. But again, it's, you know, it's politically incorrect to actually deal with the problems, the real problems that Americans face and care about.
0: Right. We've been, Having a wonderful conversation with Darren Vitti. And Darren, how do we follow you in, in your what you believe?
1: Well, please go to my news site. It's uh, the Soros. Soros has full-time people. This is this is incredible. He has full-time people trying to take my site, revolver.news off the internet. I have various theories why. Um, but We make a kind of full-time job out of giving the FBI and the DOJ and uh, other agencies one headache after another. So go to revolver.news, see what all the buzz is about, peruse our exclusive section for some things that could blow your mind. And I'm on Twitter at Darren J. Beatty. And if people are interested specifically in the January 6th stuff, I've written an introduction to the Skyhorse version of the January 6th committee report. So you can go to Amazon and type in Darren Beattie January 6th committee report. And we get into the full story about the committee itself, but even more juicy stuff, the dark questions that the committee was set up specifically to detract from. And so you can get that at Amazon, Darren Beattie January 6th committee report. Other than that, um, I have nothing to promote. And uh, thank you very much for for the time and for the conversation.
0: Thank you, it was a pleasure speaking with you. We'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. And we'd like to hear your comments or questions. So go to bwradionetwork.com. That's bwradionetwork.com and give us your questions or comments. And thanks for joining us today.